0: Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website Community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to yet another conversation with Stream at Agora Duty. Today we have um a um A man who probably needs no introduction. Um, A lot of you might know him from his amazing work. um, More recently, on um, the the bungee game Destiny, Um, he was part of the sort of the key group of people that uh, pushed the uh, the animation pipeline to a whole other level uh, to make that game possible. Um, And um, and then since then, he had uh, has has left to uh, to build up a studio from the ground up called Polyarch and uh, made probably one of the most I would say well-rated and um, very popular VR games um, that you can play on Oculus. I'm not sure what other platforms it's available on. I'm sure probably all of them. He can let us know. I know Oculus because that's the one, that's the platform I played it on. So I don't know what else... Um, uh it plays on. But it um, it was it was a very surprising game, I think, because it was uh, I think, a tr- a truly fresh perspective on how to make a VR game in a very narrative sense. And uh, so anyways, some of you might know him from that. But I bet the one place where everybody for sure knows Richard from is the um from the uh, his his he's very popular and very radically sort of um revolutionary workflow and we you might have seen him in a gdc talk you might have seen him at a conference um or maybe you've even gone gone and and actually learned from him at his school animation sherpa like there's many ways you might have been exposed to him and is 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 very um i i don't even know how to describe it it's the kind of thing that when you see it you're just like most animators are just like, what the hell? They don't even like their brain. And then it starts to click as to why that's an interesting way of working. And some people have like, I feel like he should just make a church and start start preaching this this new way because it feels like people convert. And they uh, once once they see uh, uh, that workflow, they they can't imagine working in any other way. And I'm sure Richard probably feels the same way, but he's drinking his own Kool-Aid. So let's bring him in here and have a little chat with uh, the uh, the one and only Richard Lico hello Richard
2: hey now I wish I was actually drinking some kool-aid right now that
1: would have been, <laughs> been, been perfect what <laughs> color would that kool-aid be
2: oh it's got to be the red kool-aid oh, okay good yeah I it
1: I was a little worried about it oh he, oh yeah <laughs> so yeah what i mean just how about you do first start off start off with maybe a little correction i assume that you guys you know that polyarc made moss to work on probably all the vr platforms i would imagine yeah, yeah okay
2: yeah we actually started on psvr um which oh was, is
1: that oh i didn't know that okay
2: yeah yeah um it was about a three-month exclusivity with sony because they helped fund it but yeah, oh you know
1: was, what i remember but, now i remember the marketing yeah that makes sense yeah.
2: Tony yeah, it that. was it was cool because we had to get it working on a controller first with the light bar and track like that. Yeah, and then we went to the Oculus. <clears throat> things it
1: was easier yeah for sure for sure i mean i don't know like um the the i i I still feel strong i never i never bought the actual uh psvr but i know a lot of people who believe that it was sony's sort of stake in being like let's let's embrace vr and put it bring it to like a popular platform like the playstation that is probably one of the biggest reasons why vr is where it is today just because of that that kind of level of mass Ad- adoption into the uh, into that space. Would you feel like that's what happened? Or do you feel like it was a bit more complicated than that?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, Oculus was the first one out of the gate, right? And I think they they laid the groundwork for VR. But um, I think Sony was the one that brought it to the masses. Like you said, like, yeah. the, the user base for Sony um, was huge. Um, back in the early days. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to talk numbers. But I know the Quest has been a big boon too recently. That's really done very well, oh, yeah. especially the Quest Two.
1: Yeah, and accessibility on cost um, and and quality, like they really found a really good sweet spot on uh, what you get for that kind of money. Where before, like outside of the PlayStation uh, sort of uh, you know uh, ecosystem, you had uh, you know the Rift, the Rift uh, VR, which are still amazing, amazing yeah. VR systems, but they tend to be a little on the pricier side, right? So.
2: Yeah, it's all coming down in price though. Like it's nice. Like the the industry is really evolving quickly. And then with Sony's new new um, thing that they announced recently. Like I haven't yeah. seen it in person yet, but it, it yeah. sounds really incredible. It uh, with does. Rendering and all that kind of stuff. It does.
1: I'm glad to see that it's something that's like people were saying that it was going to be a bit of a fad and I really don't think it's a fad. I don't think it's going anywhere, um, yeah. but uh, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. So, I mean, okay. So just for the, just for the sake of some of the viewers who might actually not know who you are, which I'd be pretty surprised. Why might maybe we can, you can give us, and I know you probably hate when people ask you to do this, but like the condensed version of Richard leco like, you know, the, 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 kind of the early beginnings to the now, like, do you feel like that's, that's a thing that you can sort of drop on us?
2: Sure. Um, God, it's, well, it's been 21 <laughs> years. I um, know, I know.
1: That's why people usually look at me like, like, Oh, geez. <laughs> like, I mean, well, let, I, let's like, why, like why animation? Let's start there. Like what made you feel like that was something you wanted to do with your life?
2: um well actually it wasn't animation at first i i uh, told my sixth grade teacher i was going to make video games for a living which is why <laughs> i didn't want to do my homework uh, um funny. yeah and uh i'd skip french class to go play street fighter in the arcades and stuff so like it was you know gaming was always my passion and i always wanted to make games and then when i got to college i was an illustrator so i illustrated a couple books that were really crappy and just you know something to pay the bills to get through college and i was going to yeah. go with an illustration major but it you don't you know it's hard to find like the 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 amount of work for illustrators back in the mid to late 90s was like it was very competitive and a lot of people went that route but animation in games yep like you know like that mid to late 90s 3d was just starting yeah yeah Yeah. if you knew how to open 3d studio max (laughs) like you got hired you know it's so true
1: it's so very true
2: So I switched my career over to that or my major over to that in my last two years of college. And I'm just like, yeah, that's my, that's my ticket in. I just want to make games and, and I can get a job with animation. So I just hit the ground with it. And, you know, you graduate in the nineties from college with an animation degree and it's, um, it's a terrible reel. Like There's there's no one that would hire me today.
1: I would pay money to see that reel today because I bet you it's not <laughs> nearly as terrible as you're making out, but...
2: Oh, it's pretty bad.
1: <laughs> David, David and I keep joking around about the idea we should get a bunch of us like... You know, old farts of the industry who've been around for a while and try to dig up our old stuff and then just compare just to see who had the worst memory at the beginning. Where I think, I think, where a bunch of us would be, you know, run, running for first prize there for sure. But I don't know. It's, I'd be almost scared to look at my yeah. stuff Yeah. That's, we should do it. I'll sign you, you know,
2: up. I had this, I had this cat, right? Um, yeah. that, called Caesar. And okay. I took a clip from the movie I, Claudius. Okay. And I had him do this big, dialogue thing where he kind of runs up and hops onto this fence and he's got this sea of garbage cans and there are a bunch of cats in the garbage cans, but I couldn't render them all so they just had the garbage cans. <laughs> right, And he starts giving this like very British, get up, I've existed since the morning of the world and I shall exist until the last star falls from the night, you know, and he's doing this thing. And then at the end, the, the trash cans are like, I ay, aye, 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 aye. <laughs> It but sounds it was like animated a... so poorly
1: oh it's i can i can only I, I dude you, do you have it is it somewhere like i i now i really want to see it at some point
2: it's it's on the recesses of one of my backup drives yeah oh I, boy I, mm. yeah. and it's like <laughs> thumbnail <laughs> size right because oh yeah for sure so
1: yeah it was like seven it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be 720 it was probably like 320 by 240 or something like
2: yeah, that it was, like, yeah. <laughs> like a You'd have to babysit the rendering machines overnight because this is soft image, like not oh. XSI. This is OG yeah. soft much, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um people think software crashes a lot now. They have oh, no man. idea. They have no idea.
1: It's so true. It's like we got it so easy now, it's like first world problem for sure. Like back then it was like you were lucky it would just run in general for an hour, yeah. let alone long enough to render off a whole sequence.
2: Yeah. And they had caps on the amount of keyframes you could have on yeah. things in a scene, yep. like stupid crap like that. And renderers would crash repeatedly overnight. So we'd set up the the school, <clears> we had a render farm at the school and I had set up like three machines or whatever that I, yeah. you know, I got. And I'd set them up overnight and I'd literally have to sleep in the render lab because <laughs> about every 20 minutes or so yep. they'd crash and yeah. nowadays if you want to render something you set it to render and it doesn't it. it's cool yeah
1: yeah and it, it it detects when renders fail and it can actually go and and um and pick up on that like it can go and like replace those like it's the system's smart enough to know that there was failures and to get throw another computer at re-rendering those frames potentially like you don't need oh, to babysit yeah. them as nearly as much as you used to it's funny, it's bringing back memories. I, we have a similarity there that I had no idea. We were, this is why I love these chats, because we I get to know so much about people that I thought I know a few things about. Um, but I also started in illustration at college. I did not cool. start as animation. Yeah, I was at Sheridan College in Oakville, and I was doing the illustration stuff, but I was always looking over my shoulder, looking at these people in the animation uh, uh, classrooms. And I'm like, whoa, oh, that looks cool. Why am I not doing that? And so I switched over. But yeah, it's, that's, that's funny. And at the time, yes, it was really a hot industry that was growing, and illustration felt pretty competitive it just felt like a safe route for artists to take like commercial yeah. artists but um but uh it turned out that animation was definitely the winning the winning uh lane i kind of looked out lucked out on that one i guess we both kind of i guess luck is is a matter of perspective because it hasn't exactly been um i mean it's it's there's been a lot of opportunities but it's also been a lot of work so it's yeah. uh yeah so okay yeah. So, so you started with this and then and then what was your first job in games then
2: Um, well, I well, I graduated SCAD and I actually did a a small stint at CNN doing, um,
1: Oh, broadcast design stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, bumpers for like CNN broadcast things like, you know, like a newscast is coming up and you see a bunch of things.
1: Exactly. Like motion graphics stuff.
2: Yeah. Motion graphics crap. Um, and it, (laughs) I call it crap because it, I just didn't have an interest in it. I actually I yeah, don't want to respect that's very hard work. It
1: for sure it is. It's a whole it's a whole art form in itself. Absolutely, it,
2: it really is. And there were some amazing people there that could do that kind of stuff, and I got to see what they're doing. Something. Yeah, but it was also like I had to do like the 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 two thousand all star game. Um, the graphics on the stadium whenever there was a home run and shit like oh, that. So no. Like I was like <laughs> all purpose graphics oh, guy. That's so
1: funny, I had no idea. I've I've seen some of your work. I didn't even know.
2: That's yeah, so it's crazy. I don't. I mean, I don't show any of that stuff. Like yeah, I had yeah. to do like tonight on TNN, you know, with the spinning logo on the side of a <laughs> yeah,
1: highway. Yeah, like, exactly. Someone needed to make it and it happened to be you. Right,
2: yeah. But yeah, that, that only lasted like mm-hmm. 10 months. Um, Cause it was, it was a stepping stone for me. And, you know, yeah. you don't say that in an interview, of course, but no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, first job <laughs> I just, game was,
1: full disclosure. You're just a stepping stone. Please hire me. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're fresh out of college. It's, yeah, if yeah, you hire somebody fresh out of college, yeah. And you don't think that that's what they're thinking? For sure. Then there's something uh, yeah. wrong with the hiring manager, right?
1: Yeah, so- yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> Especially if they're coming in from like like with like depending on what their experience is, what their what their demo reel looks like, it's it should be pretty obvious that they're maybe like just using this as an in as opposed to yeah. like they want to become a professional motion graphics artist, which many people do decide to do for sure, but um certainly not everybody.
2: Yeah, it's um uh, yeah, it's it's tough because it's it's um it's a it's an amazing industry, but that was also a very yeah. full one too. So I could have tried yeah. to make a career out of it. Sure, but um, but yeah, no, I, I got into games, you know, at the end of two thousand. Um, and it's uh, Deer Hunter. The oh Sunstorm.
1: no way! You did not work on Deer Hunter. Yeah, you worked on Deer Hunter. How classic is that?
2: Yeah, Sunstorm oh, was a weird studio. I was there for two years. <laughs> And I worked on eight games in two years. I was their only animator, so I did all the animation, the rigging, the whole pipeline. Right. And it was um, five of the games shipped. Three of them got canned, you mm. know, in development.
0: Mm. Um,
2: but yeah, Deer Hunter, Bird Hunter, um, all the Duke Newcomb. Uh, Duke,
1: you worked on Duke Nukem?
2: Yeah, I did all the animation Duke. for the Manhattan Project. How,
1: how did I not know this about you? That's so crazy. <laughs> duke nukem man i i that was the first game i ever truly binge played like i would stay up all night with my buddy we would play this game and it was just it was i was just i couldn't stop playing that game That's so oh funny. the
2: og the three the the three yeah. and quarter yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah that, it was it it was big for its time yeah
1: it was it was and people wanted it to come back so bad and it was like it was always these rumors that it was going to and and um you know some of the di- people who really liked the dialogue on that game, they were like borrowing from. Like, I can't remember who was, it a no, because there was that line in there where was like something about kicking ass and chewing bubble gum. Now, that's yep. a line from, um, uh, uh, um, uh, hold on, my brain is, uh, it's, I, I came here to do two things kick ass and chew bubble gum. I'm all yeah, out Lord of bubble gum, bubble gum. but who, who, what's that originally from? It's not, it's, I feel like it's from, um, it's from, um, they live, right? It's uh, rowdy, uh, rowdy, rowdy, piper. Wow. I think that's, I, that that's he has that line in that movie um because do you do you remember that movie
2: i am taking you to trivia with me the next time I go.
1: <laughs> i'm i pretty sure that's the movie it's from but i don't know which one came first that's the one I, that's just the only thing i don't know i don't know who borrowed from who
2: that's but, incredible like no i have no idea like
1: yeah Yeah, yeah. Now I learned something
2: about you. There you go. See, yeah,
1: I'm a weirdo movie buff that remembers random lines from movies from the 80s. That's me. That's That's definitely me. That's a
2: skill. It's a skill. You get a lot of potato skins with that
1: one. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So just really quick question, just because I want to make sure I fully understand this arc that you were on. So you were doing the motion graphic stuff at CNN, but were you in your mind already still thinking, no, no, but like the destination here is still games. Like you are on a a path. Okay, got it. So you got this job at, was it, what was like, it, it was, what, What something soft that was doing all these, these, um um these Hunter games along with uh, a, a, uh, a DLC for, for Duke Nukem? What was well, that? Uh,
2: yeah, it was um, Sunstorm. And it, Sunstorm. You know, the, the Duke Nukem I worked on was a side scroller 2D.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah I, I think I played that too, way back in the day. Okay. So you did that for a while and then... Like, like, when, like, how long down the road did it take before, before you ended up working over a Bungie?
2: Well, it's, I went to Ravensoft after that. Um, okay. Because I, you know, I, I, you know, Deer Hunter wasn't really the game that I played. Mm-hmm. I, you know, more of a Street Fighter, Final Fantasy fan. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had to. I mean, I learned a lot there, and it was a great For experience. For sure. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Being the only animator was also kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Um So. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, So um, I joined Ravensoft and ended up working on Jedi Academy and then um, on the very first X-Men Legends game, um, which was a lot of fun. I did a lot of cinematics. So that was my first time doing cinematics, was on Jedi Academy and X-Men and found out that I'm more of a gameplay guy. Like, I really like Mm -hmm. gameplay. But, you know, and then it was Monolith. And that's when I moved to Washington. um, And that was in 2004. And then Monolith was awesome. Like mm-hmm. we worked on Condemn one and two, I helped out a little bit with the fear franchise. And yeah. like, it was a, an amazing experience because I got to really dig in on design. Like I, I just said, cinematics can go away. I'm not gonna focus on that anymore. I'm just gonna really immerse myself in gameplay design. So okay. like the Condemn series, I, I was mm-hmm. the animation lead, but I also did a lot of the content and Frank Rook was mm-hmm. kind of my mentor who helped show me like, this is how you deal with design. And like, I started doing a lot of the combat mechanics and digging right. in and being a designer. Mm-hmm. On that because that was a big passion of mine is getting in there so it was like a nice mix of like how character animation and combat design came together yep. and i got yep. to do all of that like myself. that's was-
1: that's awesome that's because it's very rare for that to actually happen which is sad because one of the biggest problems i find that studios struggle with is in teams is that there's that division there this awkward this awkward division between the engineering the design in the animation these like the golden triangle of a good a, like good gameplay mechanics and often there it's it's it, if you don't have good chemistry there it's different which is you know it's hard because it's like you have three very different mentalities trying to do the same thing yeah. um i've often i've often mused at the idea of like wouldn't it be amazing and it's start, actually starting to happen now with engines like unreal and unity that make it more accessible to content creators to be able to do some of their own thing without having to know the syntax of c plus plus is that you could literally now have someone like you we could it could literally conceive of and completely execute on full feature sets inside of a, inside of a game theoretically now which is yeah. unheard of back in the day
2: and it's 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 like if you get somebody who knows animation who also is like a hardcore gamer and knows gameplay well yeah like that's a powerful combo when it's very to powerful things feel good right
1: yes exactly because you can because now you can use the you can rely on the inner gamer inside of you to properly validate your own work you put the animation in with the with an idea that you hope it's going to work well and play well and then you play it and you're like oh no 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 that's there's no way that's just not tight enough i need to be tighter so you're going to go back where a lot of animators they struggle with that that they don't they, they don't have a good sense of that necessarily some do and some some really don't so yeah it's a powerful combination if you know how to tackle both of those like both of those perspectives at the same time
2: and incredibly valuable, like finding animators that know gameplay well, just yeah. like, yeah, that's the animator I want to hire. Like, that's, yeah, that's it's totally. hard to find and just mm. wicked valuable because like yeah. every game needs good gameplay. Like that's that's the core of the experience. Right. Absolutely. And animation is such an integral part of design when it comes to character-focused games.
1: Absolutely. So one of the main feedback um, sort of loops that you're sending to the player is just the visual, like, what's the the character doing so that you understand what's happening in the game and whether you're doing it right or wrong,
2: for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Condemned was interesting because it was the first time we were really, like, Riddick had done first-person melee combat, but it was, Mm. and it it was a good start. Um, And, (laughs) like, Starbreeze did an amazing job with it, and it was a very well-received game. And then yep. we started doing Condemned. We were looking at <laughs> how they did it and we are just playing with ideas. And I remember like struggling with things like how far do we make the hit box on like swinging yeah. the pipe in the first person? Like, yeah. what does the depth feel like there? And how do we make the, yep. the hit feel impactful? And like, what are mm-hmm. the attributes that like really give you like just swinging a pipe and hitting somebody feels great. Because if you get that mm-hmm. right, then yeah. like all the different things you build on top of that, it's like totally. you're guaranteed fun, you know, like you yep. keep doing that. And it's so hard to like, just get that swing to connect and feel right at the right distance and the right yeah. impact and the right recoil and making sure your field of view has the right thing. And how do you render things over walls and swing at a wall? It's just so complicated, right?
1: Yeah. 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 It's, it's funny. I, I often tell um, aspiring gameplay animators that this is the, something that's it's part of the job that you just need to start wrapping your head around. Um, and the best way of doing that is to try, try your hand at, you know, putting some things in a game engine and starting to get that loop in your brain where you could start to, sort of play what you're making and so that you can actually feel how sometimes the choices work well and sometimes they don't work very well because at the end of the day it has to like you say it has to feel good and usually the feel is like i think it needs to aesthetically look and like deliver that player fantasy but it also needs to not be awkward and a pain in the ass and frustrating to, to play it needs to feel good that's a balance between the aesthetics and the mechanics
2: yeah, and there's there's like if you look at some of the best games in the industry like god of war man they nailed this and if you look at like oh, the I people know. in charge of the animation for that and that work with designers over there like bruno bruno Vasquez, i think i said his names properly um bruno is a street fighter aficionado and he knows gameplay so yeah. well and it's like you see it like the way kratos like hits something like one melee connecting with an enemy just is mm,
1: yeah yeah so
2: Right, you know, like yep, totally and that that's why that game is so good. It's because totally. it's that connection, like that yep. the, they bridge that gap, you know.
1: Totally. And you could see evidence of this is like this concept of hit pausing, right, which is now becoming a bit more popular in other yeah. games. This this is the kind of thing that comes from trying to make the game feel good. It's this not like an aesthetic thing necessarily. It's, it's it's you have a bunch of pioneers that are always looking to push the envelope and making the player feel more connected with the gameplay. And that's a series of lots of different things. And it just so happened to be that that hit pausing. If you know what I'm talking about, hit pausing is essentially when you're when you you say swing and hit an enemy. It's usually, this is usually seen in a lot of melee based games. Um, what you'll notice is there's is a brief pause, like a few frames usually. Um, where you feel like the the, the, uh, the swing stops and then continues. And just that feels like it almost gives you that because there's the there, when you when you're punching something in the real world, right? It's like you can't just follow through because you're, there's an actual surface there you're connecting with. And so they're trying to create that feeling of almost that there is a connection, a physical connection. It doesn't make any sense. Technically, from an actual animation perspective, because you, you wouldn't be a, a sudden pause and then a continuation of that velocity, which is what this is the this is the point I'm trying to make is that you can't think like only like an animator. You need to break the rules a little bit to make the game ultimately feel better, even if it goes against some of your sort of sensibilities as an animator. You need to be open to exploring these things because it could lead to huge breakthroughs in the quality of the game.
2: I like what you said there about having it feel right. And I think yeah. that is the the crux of like what separates a gameplay yeah. animator from um, a film animator where film animators are worried about what you're seeing. Yeah. And I think when a film animator comes over to games, <laughs> they're also worried about what what the player is seeing. And I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a red herring, because mm. it's important to make what you see look good, right. But it's really about the feel. And a lot of that comes from things that you don't directly see like that hit pause, like, like, you know, like jiggle in the body in these broad actions. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, if it's not there, you, f- you feel it missing. And mm-hmm. when it is there, you feel it there, but you'll never see it because everything's just yep. kind of happening. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. And like
2: if if an arc is wobbly when the sword swings, you don't really <laughs> see it, but you feel it. You know, like there's yep. just so much that that is important to like pressing that button and validating, like giving that communication back that, that we have totally. to worry about, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's almost like on a subconscious level, there's a, the brain is actually receiving a lot more input than we're actually registering visually often. Yeah, and
2: exactly,
1: so, yeah. <clears throat> being able to like, to take advantage of that bandwidth of like that spectrum of light that we don't consciously see um to kind of it's like a little carrier wave that allows you to like communicate to that the caveman part of the brain um when a, when a player is playing it. This is the kind of thing that we want to tap into in good gameplay mechanics because you you can put some of the stuff in there that players would never ever like you say like it's like they 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 would know it's missing like they, they, they would feel like it was like if you were to take it out they would suddenly the game would feel very good but they would never be able to tell you what it was that you took out. And uh, that that is the job of gameplay uh, you know gameplay departments. They need to understand those the borderline psych- psychological elements to the to the job so that they can you know provide the right kind of feel for the player
2: yeah, yeah I, I think it's it's really deep like the it the is it does. It, it's it's a gigantic rabbit hole right like yeah yeah and, and i think we're just drives. scratching the surface yeah it's why like if is i've asked been asked multiple times in my career why don't why don't you ever go to film like you know film mm-hmm. you know you, you do good. At- i honestly don't think i do well at film because everything i know is kind of in that that mm-hmm. gameplay feel thing mm-hmm. And um, I'd worry that I'd go over to film, and I I know how deep the rabbit hole goes Mm. for gameplay, and I know that it goes just as deep on the film side.
1: Yeah, just a completely different hole.
2: But I don't know anything about that depth.
1: (laughs) Right, right. You'd be like, I know people keep going down this hole, but I have no
2: idea where they're going. (laughs) I I try, but I don't know if I'd be very successful
1: well i mean this could be a pretty interesting segue to talk i mean we we skipped over a big part because obviously but you know i just used the sort of your work history to kind of just kind of kind of choose, set, set a vector of conversation but like you did you did just to kind of complete the arc a little bit so we can go back and talk on some specifics yeah. you so you did the, the stuff at monolith and 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 then i think you went to bungie am i right yeah. on that one bungie
2: yeah after that worked on halo reach and then yeah. um after hours was helping out up, um, I was working with a, a small team where I was the only animator working on some little private project that the rest of the studio didn't know about called Destiny. And then eventually we that. revealed it to the whole studio and yeah. then got, you know, re shipped and we became independent. And yeah, I um, um, yeah, worked on Destiny 1, worked on Destiny mm-hmm. 2, and then most of the way through Destiny 2 I left to, to work with the guys at Polyarch
1: right and so that's because i think it's it's the reason why i wanted to get back to the bungee thing and the stuff you did on destiny because i think it connects really well with this conversation we were having about about good game feel because that you you were part of uh, a group of people there that were pushing to revolutionize the way the way that you use animation in a game and the pipelines and frameworks to support that you wanted to change a lot of it because there was um well, I, I'll let you tell the story, but like in a nutshell, basically what were you trying to change with this big shift in sort of paradigms?
0: Well, animation
2: takes a long time, right? And I think it that- It tends to, yeah. Yeah, the, I think the reason it takes a long time is because we have a thousand controls that are all manual. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying our best to, to look at reality or to look at what we perceive reality to be and then recreate it using these tons and tons of controls, like things like mm-hmm. foot roll, foot pivot, foot lean, and a bunch <laughs> of sliders, right? Yep. and and then when you actually go in there and you start working with it a lot of the curves in your graph editor and a lot of those manual controls get really convoluted and complicated and it's like well I see the foot doing this and how do these controls relate to that and it's just and that's that's the time right and then essentially the best animators are the most patient ones the ones that <laughs> weed through that data that's true yeah so so it's it's um it just seemed... Um, seemed pretty old school to me it felt Mm. like well I mean really what we want to do is we just want the foot to look right really Mm. what we want to do is we want Mm. the head to move through space correctly and Mm. like I'd sit there and I'd watch animators rotate different parts to move the head I'm like god why are you rotating something to translate Mm. something like that seems asinine to me so Mm. what I wanted to do (laughs) was um, figure out ways to make it easier where essentially just Like, let's say I want to move the head. It's like, well, convert the rig into a space where you just fucking drag the head around, right? And let's say you want to, you know, have the arm, like, wobble into place. Like, previously in in old school days, the animator would have to key from the hand back, forward, back, forward. Oh, yeah, counter animate all
1: the time, for sure.
2: Yeah, counter-animator. There was
1: a day where IK wasn't even there. Like, I think the original Toy Story, I think, was done, if I remember correctly like IK was just sort of being invented around that time. And so before that, like all the animation tests they did before Toy Story, they literally try to keep feet on the ground and without slipping by like, can you imagine? My brain doesn't even know how to survive that. Just the thought of that makes me want to cry. Counter animating the legs just to keep the feet while you're shifting the weight around. Oh my God, I would die. I have a theory. Okay, tell me. I need to understand how people survive that.
2: It's why they did most of their performances on the bed.
1: Switching oh around. interesting that's not a bad idea so then when you even have medium shots your brain was like well they're on a bed so it makes sense that there was oh yeah it's
2: interesting yeah that that's my guess i don't know like huh. <laughs> maybe i like it
1: i like it it's it's oh, a good it's i like it. it's a very good theory we should uh see if we can get to the bottom of that
2: one but um but yeah it's it's um um making the motion you know the priority and making the hierarchy the child of the motion mm-hmm. was the goal so like. Cause you know, you know, people 30 years ago made decisions, Lasseter made decisions that yeah. we were gonna have the hierarchy first and then our motion was gonna-
1: Yeah, it's just red. the way it was. And people just did it that way. And even though it was convoluted, we just, that's the way it was.
2: Yeah, and a lot, a lot of our rigging mm-hmm. solutions are ways to try and manage that data and it, yep. it gets super complex. But what if mm-hmm. what if the motion lived outside the hierarchy? And what if you just changed mm-hmm. the hierarchy to fit the optimal way to, to edit that motion? Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's the way that, um, I pitched it because I was looking at their rigs from Halo 3 and all things sure. before that. And I was like, God, guys, this is, you're making your lives too hard. So mm-hmm. I pitched it to Steve Theodore, who was their rigging lead at the time. And he kind of liked the ideas, but David Hunt really liked the ideas. And David Hunt was one of the riggers there. Mm-hmm. And me and David just went with it and started mm-hmm. making new rigs for the team to use. And, you know, there's some pushback at first because it's different. And anytime it's different, yeah, you're yeah. out of your comfort zone. Man. For sure. But um eventually the team really, really got to like it. And then mm-hmm. we built an entire studio pipeline around it and we ended up porting it over to runtime so we can start solving some of the in-game motion where the hierarchy is more fluid. Cool. Yeah. Um and it it became um a process there. And then that's mm-hmm. I brought that to Polyarch.
1: Right. Wow. And and this is now so the million dollar question that is were you already playing around with some of these ideas beforehand or was it this, like, cause I mean, cause you're now famous for having this type of workflow that you teach um, at Anim- Anim- animation Serpa. So like, if you do want to get a good, a good um, sort of um, brain fill of of this kind of way of working, you can always go there and, and join one of his workshops. But but like, was this something that you were already flirting with on your own while working inside a software? And it was something that you were thought you could bring into the mix uh, uh, over at Bungie, Or or was it more that was the epiphany moment right there. And now ever since that day, this is the way that you animate because why would you animate in any
2: other way? No, monolith worked this way. So like, when I okay, when I, got I didn't know. There, yeah, okay. they they were using Maya and i had been using 3d studio max most of my career up until joining monolith yep and i'm like okay cool where's the rig because i was used to biped
1: yeah sure As sort of everybody else yeah
2: and um you know they're like well there's some joints there let me show you this <clears throat> trick with a locator where you throw a locator down you bake it and then you reverse it and i'm just mm-hmm. like you guys are you guys are nuts <laughs> and... sacrilege
1: like did the dark <laughs> art he's freaking it's a witch burn them <laughs> like wait you
2: seriously don't have rigs you just have joints yeah. and meshes yeah. and that's it yeah like yeah this is just the way we work yeah and at first i was slow as dirt because i'm like god I, how do i do this yeah and then eventually sure. you know you get good at baking ik over Yeah. you get good yep. at all the little space switching tricks and then god i'm like i'm really fast now with this oh my god yeah. so then when i went yeah. to Bungie and they had rigs um yeah you're like oh no it felt so limiting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because now you can only really do what the rig lets you do. And yep. you usually have to fight it to even do those things, right? So. Yeah. That's interesting. So, like, I mean, in a nutshell, this is my, this is going to be my version. I'm going to try to pitch your high-level idea of basically what's going on um, with the workflow. But basically, the, your your workflow does not depend on a specific rig. It's it more, yeah. it depends more on a workflow and a series of scripts that allow you to sort of essentially um p- process that data that you're making kind of in passes like you can sort of lay down something with a like with with a um, like um um like the, the the space or like the relationships between between um parts of the body would like you you would want to have it like a. Uh, how, how do you say it like so you more of a traditional setup where you have kind of like a hip controller and maybe some like you could pose out the legs but then you could then throw us you know th- throw a throw a script at it to suddenly make it so that you can lock the legs down and then like in, in other words it, it's almost like the rig itself I'm going to call it a rig with air quotes is sort of mutates over 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 time and it, it allows you to, to 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 do exactly what you want to be able to do in the most straightforward of ways rather than trying to make this one rig that does all the things but does doesn't do any of them particularly well. It's sort of like so the rig, kind of like it's like you're kind of reconstructing it and deconstructing it as you work.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's, so i that's will exactly
1: probably it. not exactly, but <laughs> yeah, I, think I mean, yeah, you're giving me but- you're giving me some bonus points for trying, but that's kind of in a nutshell what's going on, right? Like maybe you can do a better job explaining kind of the the big picture for people who don't know.
2: Yeah, it's all right. So when I was teaching at iAnimate with you um, way yeah. back in the day. That's how we met. I, yeah. I don't know if people knew True that. True story. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Rick Arroyo was always like would always do a class on setting up your rig ahead of time. Yeah. And so this way, you know, they understand you have to set your rig settings, so you understand what <laughs> settings you're going to need for your scene. And I'm just like, That's totally crazy. Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I I went along with it and it's you know, so medieval that way. And then then I just in class I'm like, ah fuck it. And, and then I just like start like <laughs> sorry I cursed. I no, okay. start like converting things into different spaces, and the students just like. Huh? Yeah. Like the rig doesn't do that. I'm like, Oh, whatever. We're just gonna layer on top of the rig. And this is what Yeah, you yeah. Do. yeah.
1: Like, Don't worry about the rig.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, 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 it's inconsequential. It's just a yeah. thing you click on. So like, <laughs> so like, like students would think, okay, my options for animating animating an arm are I either put the arm in IK or I put it in FK, and I'm just like, mm. what? No, that's silly. So like, <laughs> it, it's either I rotate the chest and the arm goes with it. Yeah. Or I put the arm in IK space and I get bend and hyper. Yeah, exactly. Right? This
1: arm that looks like it's nailed to thin air.
2: Yeah, because it's, it's essentially IK describes not its movement through space. IK describes the bend of an elbow.
1: Yeah, totally.
2: So people often try and use that because they want to translate that arm through space, but then yeah. they get a bunch of like crazy elbow oh, yeah. going on moving nice. around the space because they think that if they want to translate that hand through space, that's their option, and that's it's all they got, yeah. It's terrible, right? So like I'm like, no, no, throw it in aim space. And I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you just plot a point out here where the hand is, and um, you base it off the rotation of the upper arm, and then you reverse it to where the upper arm aims at that point, point. then you just move that point around. And now your elbow's not bending at all, unless you want to bend it. Yeah. And you're still doing that, animating that point in space like it's IK, but you're no longer describing the bend of the arm; you're describing the motion of the hand. Exactly. Right? And they're just like, "Wait, what? Wait, I can do that? That's yeah. not an option on the rig. It's yeah. not something I can predefine." I'm like, yeah. Well, "Yeah, it Doesn't need to be.
1: Yeah, that's so crazy. And so, really, what you're doing is the workflow kind of frees people from the sort of the conf- the, the, the limiting confines of what 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 the rig is capable of doing out of the box.
2: Yeah. And uh, right. yeah. And that's just like a basic example. Like that's like the 101 version of my course. Yeah. Like, yeah. You yeah. could go into detail. Like when you have an arm that like, let's say I have the body and I want to rotate the arm like doing this, but while I'm doing it, I want the body to kind of come back and do this thing where the, you know, there's a bunch of wobble in there. Yeah. And if I try and animate FK like that, It's gonna wobble like mad because i'm counter-animating absolutely
1: yeah the way that the compound rotations add up it's not going to be what you think it's going to be that's for sure
2: right but if you put it in aim space that point in space is in world space and it doesn't matter what the rotations of your chest are doing right yep no so it's compensating for you so now you're dealing with there just a couple translation curves and then you could throw physics on it so you can get natural you know, overlap and follow through at the Mm -hmm. press of a button. And it's just, it's all just so much easier.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And easy is kind of important, especially in video game productions, right? Because, I mean, it's not the one thing that people need to be aware of. um, And people who are in the industry now already know all too well is that things change a lot. So you need to be able to pivot a lot. Like you could put animation in a game and then suddenly the feature changes. It might, it, you, you might have to make changes to the animation on a regular basis, but often has nothing to do with the quality of the animation. It has to do with trying to make the gameplay better. And so therefore these things are all moving targets. So you need a way of pr- like processing changes and or creating new animations pretty quickly. Otherwise you're gonna be
2: pretty exactly. stressed
1: out. Yeah.
2: And you get, you get, you know, I've worked with a lot of animators over the years that are like, but. You know my curves. You know the curves are, are precious. Your precious
1: curves. Yeah. Like,
2: I've never seen a game review where the reviewer is like, "Man, <laughs> this game was fantastic. Did you see the curves in the yeah. curve editor?" <laughs> yeah. This game gets a gets a 95. You know. Yeah. And-
1: yeah. A plus for for good curves. You know, it's <laughs> um, it's uh, it's funny when you say it like that because people do. It's easy to get lost in that, right? It's easy to to just be navel gazing and trying to make those animations the best thing ever. When in reality, one of the biggest things that a gameplay animator needs to learn is it needs to be good enough. Um, and good enough needs to be always seen through the perspective of the player. And so you need to get those animations in the game. You got to play them. And then you have to decide, wow, because you can easily catch yourself before you spend like, another couple days polishing something that will never ever get noticed in the game ever and uh, you could you probably better off spending that time on a new animation and making it as good as it can be rather than wasting more time on something that you're just never going to get any kind of return on that that investment you know
2: yeah there's only so much tweens can do if like yeah if your foundation your core posing foundation isn't isn't there your tweens aren't you're not going to find it in your tweens.
1: nope exactly yeah that's so true it's uh the uh those foundational poses are your animation and the the, you can you'll be polishing a turd if those first ones aren't good like those poses they're the foundation you are there's no no amount of polishing and playing around with the f-curve editor that's ever going to make that not a turd you could try by all means go have at it but i've never done it it's just yeah it's going to end in tears
2: this is why I love you, Brent. We're preaching the good word here.
1: <laughs> the turd, the word of the turd. Yeah, avoid <laughs> avoid the turd polishing at all costs. So what I find really interesting, uh, if we because we, we you and I spoke quite a bit uh, back in the day because uh, I was working at a company that we wanted to kind of take a, a similar revolutionary stab at. Um, of uh, at, at working uh, in, in with animation in, in, in the game I'm sad to admit that we never went anywhere near as far as you were able to sort of move a mountain to to make happen over a bungee. and it, it comes down to like you said, like it sounds sounds risky it sounds like you know there's too, there's a lot of change there and it sounds it sounds like it's dangerous. Well yeah there was a lot of pushback from a lot of engineers because engineers are professional risk mitigators if, as far as I'm concerned and I mean engineers are amazing without engineers you wouldn't have any games. But, at the end at the end of the day, it's their responsibility to make sure that it ships and that it runs properly. So, you know, so it, I, I was so impressed that you were able to evangelize this at a company as big as Bungie and get people enough people on board that saw the light and realized what you're saying. And I, I kind of feel deep down that the biggest selling thing that you that you did that really convinced people over there was the fact that you could bring some of these philosophies into the game in real time because I feel like, you know, as much as as much as you can revolutionize, you know, m- making animation easier to achieve and in you know, quicker turnaround to get to get to the results that you're looking for in a DCC in digital content creation, like Maya or Max or whatever you might be using. Maybe even some some people are using Blender now on productions, but. It's at the end of the day that you're still just usually traditionally putting those those characters in the or the animations of the game as a bunch of rotations on a bunch of bones, right? And so you were right back to square one, if you want to be able to modify procedurally adjust um, in real time, those poses, and those animations because you're right back to like, okay, how am I gonna possibly do that by just rotating a bunch of joints in real time? And it could be done, but there are a lot of problems with that. So what I what I was most fascinated by was how you started building up parity on the in the runtime side of things. So you could then adjust things in very elegant ways. Um, like once the animations were actually even in the engine, I, I find that absolutely fascinating.
2: But it's, it's, well, you have to be a salesman, right? Like, yeah, clearly. Care, right? Um, And you have to use, people's criticism of their own products yeah. to help sell solutions. Right. So like, yeah. when I got there, you know, the core leadership was like, yeah, we we don't feel like the animation in Halo 3 is like competitive. And, mm. you know, there's some things that we want to change about that. And we're hoping that you can help us mm. see where the opportunity is. So, um, you know, we bought mocap and stuff like that because they thought that that would help. Yeah. But I said, really, the, the problem is like the human body is super complex. And when you do a really robust mocap looking run, that's yeah. awesome. But if you try and you know take this run cycle and then put and start this aiming it around,
1: up, yeah, it's gonna fall the apart the
2: gun has to aim up ninety degrees because that's where the player is looking. Yep, um, it falls apart. So yeah. I I did that in engine, showed them just like you know things doing this, <laughs> oh, the yeah. looking like yeah, you know, and um, uh, they're like, oh, okay, so we have to kind of dumb down the base clips so we can get all yeah. these <laughs> aim <aiming> poses <laughs> in there. Wrong. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, well, we we don't have to dumb it down. Yeah. And then what I did was I showed in Maya, I showed how it looked using essentially FK chains um, with a complex mocap run cycle using a static pose overlay. And Mm. then um, I showed it using uh, like my rig settings, like optimal rig settings to solve that exact situation. Mm. And then I, I, you know, showed the difference to core leadership and I said, if we can get these settings and if we can solve motion as the parent and hierarchy as the child inside of the engine, then we can at runtime get these same settings. So Tam, um, Tam Armstrong, who was one of the main, um, he was the, one of the senior animation engineers eventually became the lead, um, was sold. And, um, another guy named Eric Brown was sold and yeah. we started working on it. And, well, um,
1: you're speaking their language, right? Cause programmers are often trying to find well, elegant um, solutions to to optimize things that are happening in runtime. And so for them, they probably don't like dealing with more data. Because that's that's probably the only other way of solving that problem, right? It's just throw more data at it. But then suddenly now that's just a lot more overhead for the engineers to deal with, and, the, and, and more more animations to load into memory during the game, and yeah. more more work for the animators. It just it ends up it doesn't scale very well, right? But if you can do yeah. more with less, like you're saying, that's like there you probably had their their ears were wide open, right? As soon as you said something like that.
2: Yeah, and we were shipping on PS3, so like. Um, You know, the Xbox 360 and the PS3 dealt with memory differently and PS3 had a a smaller bucket because of the way they partitioned the memory anyway. um, So trying to fit on a PS3 is going to be tough. So one of the big selling points of this was, well, we could compress the animations more without them being bad looking. Because the moment you have a a single pose overlay and you have a bunch of animation underneath, the more compression, the worse this crazy gets. Yeah. So like, yeah, trying to sell them on like, okay, we save compression, we can use active layers more, we can, you know, Get more robust base clips that will still hold up well. And yeah, I don't know at all. Yeah. Years later, we had it running; and it worked.
1: Yeah, it's. Do you know of any other uh, companies that are, that are adopting a similar workflow?
2: Yeah, see, a lot I mean, of these days.
1: Yeah, because I, I would imagine. Because I mean, the, the you know, I would see that I would imagine that Destiny ended up being kind of like the test case, right? It's like, okay, sounds like a good idea, but can you ship it? Can you ship a game like that? And you guys yeah. did. You ship two like that. So it's like, I, I would assume that at some point there'd be enough people that are believers that would then try to, they have a bit more ammunition now because thankfully having trailblazers like you approving uh, that it can be done, it's, it's a little easier to sell the next project or the next, you know, the next team on the similar idea. But okay. do you know of any specific uh, games that have shipped since then, uh, since, since Destiny that, that essentially had something at least similar?
2: Um, just to be clear, uh, Eric Brown actually had the same ideas going in. So he was a a big ally with this. So I I don't want to take all the credit there. Oh, Um, no, I mean, Tam Tam was huge on this. By the way, Tam's our CEO at Paul Eric now.
1: Yeah. Um, Oh, oh, that's right. I think you told me that. That's right.
2: But um, I was, I uh, I
1: was one day asking you, I think it was just a funny little anecdote. I was asking you if you knew of any really good animation programmers, like the best one. And he's like, yep, but (laughs) you can't have him. He's like my partner in crime. I'm like, oh, damn it, damn it. Yeah, so that I, so I, I would imagine there was a very big bonding experience for the group of of people that were drinking each other's Kool Aid and making this making this yeah. a reality. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's I, I know Ubisoft did it with um, For Honor, I believe it was. Was it For Honor? It's that well, fighting game that they did.
1: For um, Honor, For Honor, they were using um, they were using uh, motion matching. But, yeah, but they I, also
2: I they also did a runtime update, like uh, solving things in different spaces. Okay, uh, that was the case. It so might be I, that
1: I I don't know but it might, it might the be
2: the lineup on the hit.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That makes sense. That's true. Because uh, they would, they would need to do that. Especially if it was very data driven, they, they would need to be able to steer that data in different directions to get better coverage. That's yeah, a good chance. I've just never seen any, any, any talks on it. So you would know more than I would. I just figured because this, this whole topic is so near and dear to you that you probably would have heard murmurs or someone else reaching out to let you know, Hey, by the way, uh, thanks for, thanks for clearing the way forward. Cause now we're doing something similar over here. So, I mean, I'd, I, I guess time will tell, but I would imagine that this is definitely gonna become uh, a, a hopefully a more, I mean, we're, we're seeing different versions of this kind of idea, not necessarily the workflow of making the animations, but definitely <clears throat> having the ability to manipulate the data once it's in the engine in a bit more of an animator friendly way, like we even see Unreal now is pushing the envelope with their controller rig, their runtime control rig, and Unreal Five promises to make big upgrades to that experience. So you know this is all sort of part of the same kind of idea. Like I mean, they they're even promising be able to like even essentially animate inside of um, Unreal with uh, with the, the the quality of the the rig they're trying, trying to build. I'd love to see yeah. some of the the ideas that you have in your workflow enter that kind of conversation. Would not that be nice?
2: Well, you know, I, like... I think it's going that way. Like I know David Hunt's working at Unity now, and I know he's pushing yep. for for a lot of that to be inside the Unity engine. And yep. I'm a big yep. fan of that. Yeah. I know Lena and the crew over at um Unreal, we use Unreal. They're they're definitely pushing to mm-hmm. go that direction. I've talked to a few people at DICE that are definitely yeah. going in that direction. That's awesome. Um but to be candid, I've been at Polyarch for I don't know, four or five years now and yeah. we don't have one there. Um because you know Moss is a different type of game and yeah totally the value of it is not as important. Yeah. So um so like I've been out of the runtime rig game for
1: bit now. Oh man. It's crazy. The, the, one of the one of the one of the grandfathers of runtime rigs is no longer using runtime rigs. Who who you heard it here first people? <laughs> But I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not that you, I mean, like you said, I think, you know, every tool, like use the best tool for the job. Right. And I think that obviously that wasn't a priority for something like Moss just because of the nature of the game. Right. You didn't need that kind of level of, of control and manipulation. And because you're not dealing with as many characters. I mean, one of the things about Bungie, of course, is just the, the, the vast majority, like there was a lot of different types of characters with very different proportions. And that workflow really helped deal with a lot of the sort of typical retargeting problems you have as well
2: right yeah
1: yeah yeah which makes a lot of sense
2: yeah and uh, it, to, be, to be candid like I, I I'm known as kind of a technical guy but yeah. it's more of like I'm technical out of necessity and yeah yeah of opportunity and yeah. not because it's really my passion like I yeah yeah, like, yeah. you know I'm more of the gameplay guy yeah, so, but like, being able to get back into that has like been awesome
1: I mean I at the end of the day though I mean it takes I, I really feel like it takes. it takes people like you though that like under like that understand enough about the technical world that you could suggest because the problem with the, with the problem with the purely technical people is because they don't know enough about the animation process to understand yeah. what they, what would they, what they could build for us to make our lives easier. You kind of need to know, right? You kind of need to, so we, we, you know, you've, ever, you've been using a piece of software, me, it's every day. Um, you're using a software that you rely on every day and you're like, who wrote this feature? Like, did they even <laughs> use it? Like, why would they do it? Like, did they did they even know? Like, I, I'm often thinking this in my head and it's not their fault, right? They're trying their best to try to solve problems that they themselves don't normally need to solve on their own. It's for somebody else. And so it's it takes people like you, like, you know, I, I'm going to use the word visionary because I truly, even though you're too modest to accept this, I, I really feel like you need to be in a position to to see enough about the technical to be able to suggest something like this, and to get to, to get technical people on board, because if you can't sell an engineer on the idea, it's just an idea, you know. And if you, so, it you know, I don't know. I just it, we need more Richard Licos in the industry is what I'm saying. But uh, the, it sounds like you've, su- you've set you set set us up for some victory down the road, even if you right might, might not be currently um, um, benefiting from <laughs> from that particular victory path. But well, uh, thank you nice for your it. service. Yeah. So, I mean, we touched a little bit on um, on the idea of really good game feel. And by the way, chat, don't worry, I haven't ignored you. Or I don't mean to be ignoring you. Um, we will do our typical thing. I'm going to leave some time at the end for Q&A. So keep, the com- keep them coming. Please do put a Q in front like Petter just did, because it makes it a lot easier for me to pick it out, which is going to be even more important today because I'm flying solo. Um, and I'm out of focus. There we are. Um, so uh, we touched a little bit on game, good game feel. I'm curious your thoughts on like vr being like like because vr is a very interesting space i know you're passionate about it obviously because your first game at polyarc was a vr based game but i'm just just curious to kind of touch pick your brain a little bit on you know what what are what are the current sort of um uh advantages that vr brings to the table when it comes to immersion and good game feel and like what area i know i I was saving this for the last because i knew you probably have a lot to say about this and where do you think it's going like what do you think like i'm sure you're probably thinking we're just scratching the surface but in in your fantasy world in mind like where it could go what like give us your thoughts
2: this is like the question and like this is why (laughs) i'm so excited to do what i do and this is why i can not thing is like part of my past because this is where I'm focused now yeah but yeah so like when you are like the first time I put on that headset and Quill was standing there and then she kind of she was standing there like this doing an (laughs) idol yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) my gosh she's looking at me
2: yeah it was like that that moment of yeah 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 shit you're alive but not just looking at me
1: an but not pose. yeah exactly. But not just looking at the screen, but like you could like in real world space do kind yeah. of something like this, and she's following you. And you're like, no, no, she's really looking at me.
2: Yeah, it was that's it was a, a stunning moment. Uh, I, I can only imagine. Was just like, oh shit, that's the feature. <laughs> yeah, that's VR. Like everyone's yeah. focused on like hand grabs, climbing mountains, and all the yeah. types of first person stuff. No, yeah. it's yeah. like building a friend. Like yeah,
1: like a a truly virtual friend who really like feels like sharing space with you like that's yeah. uh, I, I that, was, that must have been an amazing amazing moment for you that character yeah. would have come to a whole other but brought they, they 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 come to life in a whole level that you've never probably seen a character that you've animated before do like it just it would have been a new experience for sure had yeah. you played with with vr before that though like when no. going into so so the vr even the idea of vr even was kind of new to you when you yeah. when you joined polyarc oh wow
2: that would yeah have been a like mind well, i had done like a little tech demo at unity one day because they okay. had me over they're trying to recruit me yeah. and it, it was it was fun um but you know it was like a dinosaur walking around and it was like some spaces and it was mostly just like tech demo stuff and it, there were yeah. no character characters that were yeah kind of interacting with me yeah and then when we did that with quill for the first time and she literally started looking at me or the then i can grab her and she reacts to my grab and i can feel her heartbeat oh, it's like man holy crap her heart oh. is in my hand
0: that's incredible <laughs> yeah
2: you can't oh, get that man. in a film like if nope. i was to go work for pixar i'd be yeah. leaving all of that behind and i'd be just focusing on some picture mounted on my wall and making yeah. sure the motion looks good there and yeah. i'm not knocking it like it's, no it's a rich i love film i watch pixar totally. films Pixar is probably the best studio i've ever seen when it comes to um animation but um they're missing that that interactivity, that bonding with an actual character that is literally standing right next to you. Yeah. And yeah, then right. if we think out to the future, like, well, where do we go from here? Well, VR is awesome because you are immersed in this world, but what about pass-through, like AR, where you're watching a Pixar film and then you look over to your right on the couch and there's Quill.
1: <laughs> exactly, watching it with you. Yeah. Oh man.
2: Like there's there's so many different uses for for yeah. VR characters, or AR characters are just, you know, companions in the world that like that make a lot of sense. and right now we're focused on games and building quill as a companion in this world. but there's just the the possibility spaces unlimited and no yeah. one's going there. I <laughs> know can
1: do it. I know I find that strange too like it's just it, I feel like the number of VR experience that I've've I've, I've actually had thinking really this is the this is the this is the this is all you thought that you could do with it like it just feels like we're barely touching what we could actually be doing with it, with something like this. And I, I I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of focus on sort of the, the, the the mechanical tactile part of VR. Like it's like, Oh, like how do you solve the problem of being able to like, make it feel like you can really walk around a space, but not really like, have you ever seen these 360 degree um, treadmills that they've, they've been developing to allow you to sort of keep walking. And it's sort of like, I mean, these are cool and fun and all, but like, it's like, I feel like they're missing you're know, they're missing the forest for the trees like it's there's there's a bunch of things that you could probably do right now they are much low-hanging fruit that would just blow people's minds
2: yeah it's that it's that interactivity and I think it's it's different from film where film is all about appeal and clarity and I think VR animation is more about questions so like mm. if you have a character that clearly communicates exactly what they want that's boring
0: because yeah. your
2: friends don't do that your friends are kind of yeah. tricky people where yeah. you have to try and understand yeah. them and like, they the have complex. their own personality and their own language, right? But if yeah. you have a VR character that's kind of unclear and you're like, honey, what do you mean? What are you trying to tell me? Then, now yeah. that's gameplay. Like, yeah, all of yeah. a sudden, you've introduced a form of yeah. gameplay that you've never had in a 2D t- TV screen. You don't have in a film. Like, it's it's this new form of communication and interactivity. And, mm-hmm. like, we'll have, like, people that are, like, traditional gameplay animators or traditional film guys that come in and they, they don't see the opportunity space. And yep. I honestly think it's... It's the the gaming industry and the film industry are actually holding VR back because everyone's thinking about it from that perspective. So like, for example, like I can say, you know, my little girls came in here and they've got no preconceived education on what entertainment is, right? And they look at Quill and they're like, play hide and seek with her. Turn away. And when you turn back, Daddy, she'll be hiding in the bushes. (laughs) And I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. We need to do that, right? (laughs) So I pitch it to the people at work and they're like, well... You know how does that fit into like and and it's like you know getting stuck in that mindset of like well the traditional game is so and so and you know what is the value of that if it doesn't if it's not like additive to the narrative or to the like and it's, it's hard to like to sell some of these ideas so it's like it's 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 like a slow turning ship type of thing yeah. we're trying to get people to think about these spaces yeah. and the opportunities and, and the value of these interactions it's, it's it, it was I mean, the team is great and they're very receptive, but mm. it just, you know, takes convincing sometimes.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, because I mean, the, the it's it's uncharted territory, right? It's like, you're not yeah. just pitching like any old idea. You're you're pitching something that just does, there's no precedent, you know? And so it's a little, it takes a little bit more energy and a little bit more maybe charisma and maybe a lot more um, tenacity to get, get, you know, some of these sort of um, ideas adopted into the, into the big picture, which makes sense, I guess. Like, I mean, like it's, I mean, it's, it's completely new and, and therefore the risky and, and people can't really necessarily immediately see the value in it until you can actually, that's the, that's the, I find that's the hardest thing about video game design in general, let alone VR is that it's like ideas trying to pitch an idea vocally or on paper or any other way, just, it always falls flat like it's not like you can like at least in, in movie you can storyboard a sequence and you can make an animatic you can add some audio to it and be like this is what i'm talking about and mm-hmm. people can get a pretty good as of what you're selling but a game is so interactive so it's like how do you how do you possibly pitch to them that it would be like that a big big huge um you know uh, increase in quality of the game would come from just having a good algorithm that has quill recognize when you're actually looking at her. And so like just like, a, like in a real conversation if you if you kind of have you ever done this before you've done that the sort of the stare, the stare test and you look at somebody that's like you're in a, a big gathering this is back in the before times before you know when we could actually hang out in big groups before um and, and you look at them because you're trying to get their attention and you feel you get this feeling if you look at them long enough they will look at you and then they do and you're like oh my god how did I do that? It's like this feeling, this energy of sharing space and getting a little digital character to have the same kind of strange perception and imagine the first time that you actually do that, looking at a little character that's in your world and you look at them long enough and then they eventually look at you with this sort of, and they give you that sort of familiar grin and you're like, Oh my God, this little character is like totally for real. Like they're legit. Like this is, this is an idea that sounds exciting, but it's like, but it also it's without being able to experience that. It might be difficult to sell some people on and sadly you gotta have to build it to sell it and then therefore that's the problem with games right is that how do you how do you convince people to build something that they might not believe in you know but uh i guess i guess vr space is just a lot of those kind of conversations on a regular basis trying things
2: and it could transcend the mediums that we have that we perceive them as now like what games are now or what movies are now or i think so storytelling is now like i think Like if we look at it from the perspective of virtual companions, like I'd love to be the the father of virtual companions like that, that seems really appealing to be able to make creatures that just feel like they're existing with you, living, breathing and and like participating with you. Like like that's, that's the future of of a lot of our entertainment mediums, like being able to just play a game with your friend, you know, that happens to be virtual, you know, like, just
1: anyway. There's a game I I'm I'm drawing a blank I can't remember what it's called for some reason I always draw blanks when I when I when I when I hate like when it's very very inconvenient of course that's usually the way it goes but I'm looking there's a game uh, it's a game that was I think on PlayStation I think it came on different lots uh, I remember the name of the game have you ever played Oxenfree?
2: No, never even. Heard Ox- of that.
1: Oxenfree is a is a side-scroll. I don't know if anybody in chat has played this game, but I found it really interesting because it was a game a game that was all about the narrative and it was all about the conversations and your 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 connection with these other characters. It's it starts in a really weird way. You're on a boat going to an island with these, I think, three other characters, and you, you there's no like tutorialization. There's no backstory. There's no exposition. You just sort of inherent inherit this this character that happens to have these friends and you slowly kind of get sucked into the narrative you're on this sort of little this little mission together and it's 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 what's what i found interesting is um what happens is there's a lot of conversation that you can interact with like this banter like all the stuff that just characters are always talking and it's a big part of the game what i found interesting is you have choices of what how you can respond so there's like these branching moments like a lot of other games do but just not even not even choosing to answer like to even interact with a question isn't itself an actual choice that you're making. And it just, the way that the, that, that narrative unfolds is really, really interesting and is super, super natural. I'd love to see something like that in a VR like space where it would really be, feel like you're actually negotiating socially with these other characters. Has, any, has anybody, nobody in chat, are you guys oxen for You should check it out. It's a really, really interesting game. It's not like anything else I've ever played, but it's very, very, character driven you feel like you're developing relationships with these little digital characters and um i just would imagine what it could be like yeah okay so lucho you've played it so you know what i'm talking about but if you imagine lucho like a vr version of a game like that where you're really quite you're literally hanging out with these digital characters
2: i can only imagine what that would be like i now i want to play it now yeah you should check it out are you sure you're yeah. not being paid? Is this not like a no? Promotion? This is it's- not.
1: This is not a sponsor talk. <laughs> this is absolutely not. I all my opinions are my own. Now I I think that um I think it's worth checking out. It's it's certainly not um what you'd expect from it. It's, it's certainly not a typical game. It's a nice breath fresh of breath of fresh air. I think you should um you should take a look. And you might I like I said I think it goes really tidily along this idea of imagine like having this little this companion that feel I didn't. I, that, that I just I, it's funny because when you when you talk about subtle things like when you pick up quill and feel the little heartbeat in your hand, it's like these are the kind of things that you, until you experience it, you can't possibly explain it properly you're no one's ever going to be like it's, it's just like vr in general because i didn't get into vr until last year when i bought my first headset and i remember i actually i think i asked you before i bought one i'm like what do you think what should i buy and you gave me some advice on like your some of your favorite ones ones to look out for i ended up getting a quest and then i actually ended up getting a quest two because the quest two came out relatively soon after that and i couldn't handle the idea that there was all this more power packed into i like the screen on the original quest better obviously because it was like an oled right so it was much darker the darks are were um are a bit more dark but i mean Mean all the other features and the higher frequency of refresh rate on on the quest 2 also not a sponsor it does make a pretty big difference but anyways long story short it was like people were telling me how awesome vr was but i i like it's like having it's like having a child i would put that in the same same department it's like people can tell you what it's like to be a dad they can tell you but like until you experience being a dad there's no one could ever possibly prepare you for that just like VR, it's like you need to like literally put it on and then suddenly and hopefully have a good positive first experience with a, with a good quality software because there's some you know bad stuff out there that's not really all that much fun. But but you get you, you play something like Moss and it, all of a sudden you're going to be like it's like you it feels like your your conscious your conscious level is is transcending into another level of understanding because you're experiencing content in a completely new way that you haven't experienced before. Yeah, it's it's mind blowing
2: try um try making a trailer for your child like it, it's not <laughs> it's not going to it's not going to give the parenting experience that way no, either. That's
1: <laughs> so funny. A, a, a trailer really for hard. your child. It's <laughs> 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 a good one. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I feel like it's just it, it just changes the way you see things and suddenly you realize, "Oh my god, so many of these other things are are possible." I got a quick other question before we go into ch- uh, questions from chat. I just I just wanted to pick your brain on this other topic of I mean, there's making VR games and there's making games in VR or making content in VR which is a whole other layer to the to the to the equation because unreal supports um QI, sorry VR um sort of editor support so you can actually like level designers could theoretically build their little sets in VR there's like amazing software like uh, i i really like quill i think quill is really interesting cuz you know there's, if, if you haven't ever seen any of those um, and i just this is a general question here not just for for richard but the um you know these little vignettes that people have created inside of quill like these little animated little animatics in a it's something about these things like I feel like when I when I experience these things, I, it feels like I'm sharing that space with the artist. I feel like yeah. it's like I'm there and it's alive in some way that is not the same it's it's not the same when you see it on a screen. But because you feel like it's almost in that room with you, that creation is so much more special in my mind. I'm I'm curious, like do you feel like there's a future for, for this as well like are we are we just scratching the surface there as well like content creation using VR as meta oh, as yeah. that might be yeah oh
2: definitely like yeah virtual creations that you could actually walk around like yeah I, yeah I was, yeah uh, i think maybe you were talking about uh goro fujita did i get the name right um anyway is somebody just is doing amazing work in quill and it's just like putting mm-hmm. these really like a like a fishing scene where you have like yeah just swimming up a stream so like
1: exactly that. Just a little looping scene, but it's just a little vignette that's just there. And it feels so, uh, it was actually a student, an ex-student of, well, I never taught him because he was in a different class and it was around when I was leaving Dawson, but Dawson college here in Montreal, there was a guy there, a student named Nick Ladd, and he became quite famous, um, on the scene of Quill and, and, and creating things in, in VR, um, and it was like we—it's like it was like having a celebrity student at the school because they were already very prolific out there um, online, kind of driving the, you know, driving or leading the charge on a lot of these things. But there's a bunch of artists that have sort of become quite renowned for these little creations. I don't know yeah. if anyone's ever seen them, but if you get your hands on VR, definitely take a moment to like Quill is like the, there's like a Quill I think gallery I think that I yeah. think it comes by default on an Oculus and it allows you to like take a look at like you know essentially public um, you know um, pieces of art that people put out there for you just experience for free. It'll give you an idea as to what's possible, but I find it interesting. Like, even though you're, you see you could be experiencing this from a perspective of of a, of a, of a a viewer, but like it's a whole other level to like be someone using VR to create that in VR. It's like making VR while in VR is kind of like a, a meta that my brain um, has a hard time completely (laughs) dealing with, but it is interesting. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, i played with it, but I haven't done much of it myself. Yeah, yeah, uh, time it's, it's is usually, yeah.
1: Time yeah. is the enemy when it comes to like, like digging into new things like this. Okay, so um, chat, I'm going to go back and take a look here for questions for, for Richard. I'm sure that you have some. I also have some, I think from, um, let me just get that right now. I uh, just need to check the sheet here. We uh, we take questions from um, from social platforms like Instagram, when there's somebody coming on so people have a chance ahead of time to uh where are you here in here somewhere i think this doesn't look like it got updated that's okay i'll just I'll, I'll take questions from chat i don't want to waste too much time looking for where it is um so question number one i remember someone oh there it is i remember someone um on GDC asking you if you're making a sequel for Moss. Is Moss going to remember? I think you already let that cat out of the bag, right? Um, Yep. um, Is is Moss going to remember you moving into the sequel? Is there any development in this regard? So I think you already talked about this earlier. There is um, something happening, right?
2: Yeah, we announced uh, Moss Book 2. We announced it a few weeks ago. And, um, we've got Press a trailer out, the out there. You can just go look it up. Um, and the trailer shows you that you essentially just pick up where you left off at the end of Moss mm-hmm. one.
1: So for all you Moss fans, you'll get, a, a you, you get to, to to live that adventure a little bit longer. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to be t- I'll definitely be taking a look at that when it comes out. Hey, is, is Petter the only one asking questions right now? You got to be kidding me. Who else has a question? Surely, <laughs> certainly somebody has a question for Richard. Maybe they're just like, I don't even know where to start.
2: Well, while, okay. while somebody's thinking about it, I want to give a call out to um, Perique, uh, who's in the chat. Um, oh. he's, he's doing a, a Blender um, uh, school, and oh, yeah. I've gotten a chance to look at some of his lectures. Not much, more than, I, I really need to look at more. I really haven't looked at too much yet, but he's definitely been an ally in the space switching um, process, and he's showing you how to do it in Blender, which is something oh, that's I nice. know and he knows very yeah. well. So definitely give him a, a look and go yeah. you know if you're interested in this workflow he he's your man for blender
1: pure luke if you're still in chat drop a drop a link for everybody please do it would be awesome nice shout out there i mean what I, I'll, that's a good question for you blender in general like i mean i it's on my list of things to really dig into i haven't had a lot of time lately to do it but it's something that i desperately want to cuz i really feel like there's there's some i see a trend forming right now which is interesting so yeah. like, are you feeling the same thing?
2: I don't know. Like, yeah, like uh, I'm, I'm being prompted a lot <laughs> by, yeah, by people who imagine. love it to, to get into it. And we're getting, a, you know, whenever we hire, we get a lot of candidates at No Blender. um, because it's free and anyone in yeah. school can just jump in and start using That's, it. Exactly. Um, but like for us to be able to move over to it for a studio, it would yeah. be like, well, there needs to be a clear advantage to redoing sure. our pipeline and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. Um, from a feature standpoint, maya still kind of has more things for us um and the downside being maya costs money but when you're talking about the production of a game that costs millions of dollars it's a drop in the bucket right for sure yeah
1: well and also like i say like you said there's a certain amount of inertia that forms at a a studio with regards to tooling and pipeline is like i mean i remember i lived through it as you did i'm sure as well but back when, um, back in the golden era where where these software companies were all owned by different companies, um, I remember that the, um, um uh, man, I lost my train of thought. It was the the uh, the fact that uh, I can't remember what we were talking about. We were talking about how Blender is free and it's in uh, the pipelines. Yes, okay, now I now remember. So the the thing was that the, the, um, everyone was using Softimage, like Softimage in film, at least. And 3d max was in games. There were, those were the Titans. There was like no contest. Maya came on the scene and they were owned by, um, alias wavefront in Toronto. Yeah. And, uh, there was Houdini. They were also a uh, side effects software in Toronto. And of course, um, there, they were both trying to find a way of getting some, some, some share in this, in the, in, in the number of people that were using their software, but Maya, I mean, Softimage really had a good stranglehold on VFX and on long format film, uh, feature, feature films and animated stuff. But what happened, interestingly, was that um, Softimage ended up kind of, um, they got, at one point, they got bought by Microsoft. Fun fact, they, and Microsoft told them that, look, this is what you're going to do. You're going to port Softimage to Windows, and this was when back when Softimage and Maya and, and and Houdini were all the they're all the ones that lived in the VFX like the feature film side of things. Yeah. Where again, Softimage I mean, 3D um, Studio Max was alone with no real competition in games. They were just like yeah. that was it. But but back then, and they were obviously on PC because that was that was like the first version of of of, of uh, 3D Studio was running on like probably DOS back in the day. Um, but so this interesting move by Microsoft forced the actual, the the porting to windows NT back then. And, uh, which was like the, yeah, (laughs) it was like the, the, the kind of the professional windows, as opposed to it being like the home version of windows. Now there's only just one and you can kind of upgrade for more, more sort of tools inside of windows. But the, um, The interesting thing was that because they were so distracted doing that, it gave Maya a big leg up and people were like, they fought it for a long time, like years where you had a lot of like animators and a lot of artists that wanted to switch over to Maya because it was fresher. It was newer. It was faster. It would have more tricks up its sleeve, but there was a resistance and it lasted for a long time. And then it was sad because people finally started shifting to Maya and then Softimage finally came up with XSI, which, in my opinion, was still the better one out of all of them. It was amazing, and it was too late, because the people, once that once the decision was made and money was spent, no one's gonna go, oh wait, hold the press, let's go back. Okay, Softimage finally came up with a new one, and it's it unfortunately was the was the end of Softimage because I mean they eventually got bought by Autodesk and Autodesk kind of shut it down. But uh, I don't know if anyone's it's, shout out to anybody who's actually used XSI because it was it was awesome.
2: Yeah, I uh Jedi Academy was made in excess.
1: Oh really? I didn't know that. Interesting. So you had a so in I I think it probably would have been um in your mind Probably worked really well with the way your brain thinks because it had a very non-destructive workflow to it. It was very, it was known for being very procedural and very layered. To what you could actually do, rather than like a lot of a lot of workflows when it comes to rigs and stuff, are very like there's a lot of points of no return. I'm not to say not I'm not to say XSI had no points of no return, but it, they had fewer of them. They were trying to make a software that was a little bit more um, blended than um, you know sectioned yeah. off into like phases.
2: I wish I would have gotten into it more. Like mm-hmm. it was one of those things where I was—it was my first AAA game, so I wasn't too into the technical at that point. I was handed a mm-hmm. rig and I used it type of thing. But right. what I what I do yeah. remember of it, it was very good at modeling. Like we modeled yeah, a yeah. lot of the the player characters. Actually, animators did a lot of modeling back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So> I'm sure <laughs> you, you that. remember that.
1: Oh, I do. It feels weird to think that that was the, like, it was like, we were 3d artists. We weren't like animators and we had to do all the things, you know, doing like, I mean, especially VFX, if you worked at a small VFX company, you were often in charge of doing all the things, like even, even the compositing, like you were in, you ended up doing like a shot in a film, uh, modeling, 3d tracking, animating, like the whole gamut, even, even often, even the rendering, even though that was often, you know, someone else, cause that was a whole other layer that they couldn't expect everyone to know how to do, but. Yeah, it's weird. That's like the, the 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 good old days of the Wild West, the gold rush of 3D back in the uh, the early 2000s. It's crazy to think of that. Um, let me see. I got maybe a couple more questions here that might have popped up. Let me see. Let me see. Um, oh, by the way, did someone... Uh, it was Pure Luke, right? Was that the person that was in chat? Because I haven't Gary. seen the link yet. Do you Gary. have a...
2: Uh, I think somebody posted it. It's like P oh, two Design. P two Design I believe that's the I one. Click on. I'm, gonna look, I'm gonna click on it and see. What yeah, that. yeah.
1: What could possibly go wrong? I don't know, on he's random, still here. He, random link.
2: It's not working.
1: <laughs> Sweet. Oh. Well. That's, um.
2: But yeah, uh, yeah. His class is is. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm still going through it, so I I haven't seen it all yet. But what I've seen is. Oh, yeah, that's him. Yeah. Yeah, that is him, okay. The, yeah.
1: Okay, so that one right here, this one right here, that's the link that the, the P2 design, Gumroad? Yep. Okay, cool, there you go. So if you want to check that out, if you're interested, because I know a lot of the people in chat are interested in Blender. Some of them are actively using it. A lot of it has to do with just accessibility. It's free, which makes, you know, Autodesk doesn't exactly make it easy for people to just pick up and learn these days, sadly. Yeah, um, where, yeah, it's a huge mistake. I, like, I mean, I just don't know, like who like, who made that call? It's sad, man. Like, it's like, you want to be like part of it's like, it's, 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 you know, it would be an unheard of move back in the day when they were all owned by different companies because the companies knew that the, the future of their, their, the profits was essentially how many people knew how to use their software it was like, and that was the like kind of, you could, you could fight that battle kind of in the future in a way by, by, by making sure people had access to it, you know, talk to schools, make sure that they had accessibility to training. And, um, and now it's sort of like they're making it more difficult. And I just don't know why they would do that. Maybe yeah, because they don't, they don't have, they have no competitors, I guess, other than Blamey oh, Blender.
2: They have no idea how competitive it's about to get though. Yeah. The that's, Blenders, exactly. Blenders on the rise. But but the real threat is um, unreal and unity.
1: Yes. I agree.
2: They're they're creating no. animation authoring tools oh, yeah. in their engines. Oh, yeah. Why go to a third party app if you can do your entire pipeline um, inside the engine? I and agree. It's rudimentary right now, but it's that doesn't mean for three long. years from now it'll still be.
1: No, just take a look at what all you have to do is look at the track record that Unreal has had over the last last several years. Look at some of the acquisitions they've been making. Yep. They're preparing to like take over everything, and with their considering their their virtual production pipeline that that services the pretty much the the future of filmmaking, especially VFX heavy bait like the Mandalorian, like their whole production pivoted around using Unreal in their production and their their sort of virtual their virtual production pipeline. And it's 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 not It's like, it's, it's here to stay and they're going to keep building on it. And you're right. The most logical thing for them to do is to double down and make it more convenient for you to just not even have to use more than one software, just have it all there and all in one, one, one tidy little, uh, package. So you don't have to sort of, you know, the, the, the concept of exporting becomes like a, a thing of the past, which is annoying. I think I like how, I like how unity handles this because at least unity can just read in natively the FBXs, which I think is really cool keep losing focus um where where unreal you still need to create like unreal assets out of those which is you know and they make it still pretty easy like they but it's not the same as just like literally going and updating fbx and suddenly it's it's updated in the game which is kind of nice um so imagine not even have to go outside of the software to do that and you just like literally make the changes in the software and there is literally no export button or import button anymore it's just there we're not far We're not far from that. I agree. And I think that when you see that the kind of energy they're putting into both of those engines, into the rigging tools and the animation tools, it's been a big hot topic lately. So that's clearly where they're headed. There's no doubt in my mind. I agree. Unreal
2: Engine 5. I'm really curious. Yeah,
1: I got my eye on that. I think it's going to be, they're going to have some pretty big surprises animation wise in there, I think.
2: Hopefully a working sequencer would be a good one
1: yeah
2: <laughs> sorry little dig in there Ooh, <laughs> shots fired the my existence
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah it, it can i agree it's it it has a tendency of not doing all the things the way it, you would hope it would do but yeah. i mean it's Under still Lynch pretty good is but...
2: amazing but the sequencer has been tough
1: <laughs> yeah 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 um okay i think Petter, you had another question here i don't know why you guys are being so quiet today pixel brent what are you saying pixel sunny i don't know what pixel means someone shouted out pixel Brent and I don't know because
2: oh, you were going out of focus and it went all pixely
1: oh god god man you're sharper than I am like for completely forgot I'm like a squirrel like, forgot. no no that, for sure that's what it was I just became like a garble of yeah exactly Car- camera that, man you're good you're either a mind I reader or just to-
2: to do like a destiny force cast on me yeah
1: one. i was i was trying to i was trying to take over oh, I, it damn. was there it Jesus. worked it worked it the hell i'm <laughs> sorry man i just don't know all my power sometimes it's just because this the autofocus it gets a little weird on this camera because it's not a it's not a web camera it's a it's an actual camera camera um let's see here we had i think we had another question from petar he's the only one asking questions that i usually have questions coming out of out of everywhere. Um, at what point should an animator get exposed to your your way of working? I'm a beginner animator who's thinking of signing up. But I'm not sure if it's advanced for me or if it's just a different workflow. That's a very good question.
2: It is a very good question. Um, so animation Sherpa, um, I'm sure that's what he's talking about. Um, I think so. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it does assume there's a base level of Maya because it's all done through Maya. Um, it does assume base level in Maya and it does assume that, you know, you know how to set keys and, you know, like general animation principles. Um, You don't need to know how to rig. You don't need to know, um, like you don't need to be an expert of animation to be able to take advantage of the course. And the course does a really good job of of, like in the first 10 or 11 lectures of going through very basic stuff. Like Mm. here's how you create a locator and here's how you use it to control something in your scene and reverse the constraints and stuff like that. And then you know by the time you're on lecture 33 34 it's just like you know crazy shit like mad scientist stuff going on where i'm automating so much of the motion. um and you know like that's it's the type of thing where you know if you were to sign up and you know basics in Maya, and you know how to get around you know how to animate in maya it's it's good for you like it'll it'll be useful but if if depending on the beginner level like um you might want to wait a year or so, you get a little bit more experience in your belt. I don't know. It's hard to say. The school's not going anywhere. We're sticking around. I'm hopefully going to do more courses in the future. But um and then over the course of your career, you can always come back to those videos and take a look at the more advanced ones. Yeah. And then as you get better at practicing the first 10 to 15 videos and you, they become like a normal part of your work process, then the other like 15 or so videos will be even more useful for you on down the road. Um And then like you come back and watch them again, watch them again, let it all sink in. Because it, I think that the the challenge for the school that I have is that, you know, I, I think I, I I do a good job of it explaining how to do something, but I don't, I don't do a good job at showing when to do it. And I think that that is my next step for the school of trying to show more practical examples on how to leverage a lot of these workflows. And I think that just takes more time, but I've been crunching my ass off on Moss too, so I haven't I haven't been able to do that, but I'm hoping after Moss 2 done, I can jump back in. And
1: yeah, I think more. that's really good. I think that's good advice um, that Richard just gave you. I, I, I think you should, you, personally, personally, I think it's the kind of thing that the earlier, the better, because it's going to give you, because all the other material you're going to find out there is going to be doing it the traditional way. I think it's interesting to be able to see that traditional way through the lens of seeing that there is another way of thinking about these things. Uh, It may be a little overwhelming for some because then you're like, okay, but which way should I go? But I think it just, I feel like having that knowledge at the onset of your journey could be very advantageous because you can always start weighing the pluses and minuses between the two different ways of approaching. Cause at the end of the day, these are just tools in your bag of tricks, right? Like, as long as you have a way of getting the job done in an efficient way, then that's the way you pick. And you might not always pick the Richard Lico approach, quote unquote. Um, and I, you know, I know that Richard's already said a couple of times, it's not his approach. There's, I think a lot of people that have contributed to this. I think Richard, you, you probably made it somewhat famous um, just because of some of the talks you've done on it. You've you've, you've um, you've, you've kind of brought it to a lot of people's attention. That's why you always get affiliated with it. But I think that, um it's just it's a a way of doing it and um sometimes it might be the perfect way to solve the problem and sometimes maybe not i think you anime should always strive to have um a a bigger understanding of different approaches to solving these problems because you want to pick the one that makes the most sense most amount of sense for you personally and also for the actual job at hand
2: yeah yeah that's a very well put right um and honestly like what I'll do is, you know, since we're doing this talk here, I might as well I'll just throw up a a, a coupon on my Twitter account after that we're done here. Oh, you're nice. That's super cool. Um so this way if you're interested in joining, you get yeah. a, I'll do a hundred dollar off discount. Nice that's so cool.
1: That, um, very generous of you. Um on your Twitter? What is your Twitter just yeah. So people can find you.
2: At Fo F-O-O-F-I-N-U. Oh, yeah. F O F I N U.
1: That's that's yeah,
2: okay. I remember you use it as your handle sometimes. Foo. Yeah, I Say know. it again. F
1: what is it again? F what O O F. I N U. Yes. Right at Fufanu. Yeah,
2: there you go. Yeah,
1: okay. There you go. Now you know. So pay attention to that. Uh, it'll be hot off the press. I, I honestly, the the course is amazing. And it's it's exactly what what you would need if you really wanted to get a deep dive into this sort of philosophy. I think it's going to really change the way you see things in many ways. And that's a good thing because it gives you perspective. And perspective is everything when you're trying to solve uh, complicated problems and animations are often complicated problems, especially in the context of a video game. So uh, definitely, definitely give it give it a little look. Um, I got one last question and then I'm going to wrap things up. So I don't take any more of your time because I know you're a very busy person. Are you okay for one more question? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Here it is. Um, any recommendations to get in touch with VR after having seen only the bad experiences from automotive companies, something that, w- that, uh, that will blow my mind. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what you mean by bad experiences with automotive companies. I don't know what you mean by that. Yeah. <laughs> Christine's well, watching her. see I, your I see your message, Christine.
2: I know Tesla does a virtual like um car shopping experience in VR. Um which seemed interesting to me to be able to just like color your car however you want it and look at it from from 360. But yeah, yeah. it's boring. Um and it's yeah, not, I mean
1: I, not I would he's not richard's not going to do it because he's not the kind of guy to do it but i go play moss it's gonna blow your mind i swear (laughs) to god it's gonna blow your mind i'm telling you it's not what you're gonna expect it's not like it's 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 not trying to just be like the 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 sparkly version of vr and just it would instead it's like having taking a very interesting like it was clear that you all as a team asked yourselves how can we use vr in a way that's that's that separates us from from all the other things that are going on out there. Like it's like, how can we do it in a very meaningful um, way that sort of that will surprise people? And I, I I and I I definitely feel like you achieved that goal. So I think that if you if you're new to VR, you should absolutely try it because it's it's going to blow your mind on a level. You gotta you gotta wait for it though because it builds on you. That's the thing. It's 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 not like you're gonna put the headset on and play VR and right away you're gonna be like, oh my god, it's gonna be. You're gonna realize over time that you feel like there's there's an experience you're sharing with this little character that um you don't get in 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 any other game that I've ever played at
2: least yeah. so you, you know, should definitely try it. a good showcase for VR is um Valve's half-life game oh yeah
1: oh my god totally so
2: good. and yeah. and it's like moss is a you know moss was made by 15 people and that include mm. you know our business team too right so it was actually yeah. like 11 developers so and it was made over a year and a half so it ain't a big game because that many people can't make a big game in a year and a half um, but half-life is, is a pretty big game. It's a pretty substantial experience and it's, it's, it's got some really great moments. Like you feel real sense of dread, like you feel a good sense of wonder, yep. The, yep. the interactivity, the, the feeling of grabbing something and throwing it. Do you know how hard it is to throw an object in VR and make it I know. feel right?
1: I know. I it's, do know actually, <laughs> and I, and I'm terrible at it, but yes, it's, it's not so they, easy
2: they do it like they know. they figured it out they got it I feeling know. good and like yeah, yeah i can't recommend that enough
1: and you know little things about that game like the, how good it feels to pick objects up because they have that sort of like and they did it, they, they wrote it into the fiction right like you have this glove that you get and you yeah. can sort of like gravitationally pull i mean valve half-life games are always have cool gadgets in it like the grav gun in 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 the original half-life series but this half-life alex game is for sure it's it i, I would say that it's a mandatory gameplay experience when it comes the vr because i feel like they threw money at it and they leveraged as much as they could out of vr and it's probably one of the most polished experiences you're going to actually end up seeing in a traditional sense. And it really involves you like some of the things that they have in that game. Like there's that moment, not, not to spoil anything, but there's a moment where you're having a conversation with a guy up in the window and he's like, Oh, Hey, take this gun. And he throws the gun and you try to catch it, but you don't, you can, if you manage to catch it, it's great. But if you don't, then he's like, Oh man, it's over there behind the car. And then you're like looking for the stupid gun. Like there's little moments like this that really like, like, (laughs) they involve you in a way that you don't expect to be involved in a very reflexive way like this idea of just like the, the natural instinct to try to reach out your hand to try to catch something that's being thrown at you it just you can't uh, you can't match that with a regular like mouse and keyboard or or a gamepad it's impossible
0: yeah and
2: someone called out astrobot on the chat too i couldn't agree more that that mm, game i haven't is played that outstanding
1: oh i need to play it then
2: oh yeah really really good it's 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 the quality platformer of mario but Using all this awesome VR, like being able to throw ninja stars and like the grab yeah. a tooth and pull a monkey, you know, stuff like that.
1: Okay, I get which check you way. know
2: I, I didn't know I wanted to do until. <laughs> I it.
1: Sometimes you don't. That's the thing about these good games is you don't realize that you are missing something so important in your life until you experience it. <laughs> okay, well, Richard Lico, honest to God, thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy day to come and hang out with us. It was an absolute pleasure, as usual.
2: My Um, pleasure too, Brent. And it's always good to see you, man. Like, it's been so long.
1: It has been a long time, and I uh, we have to make sure that that doesn't happen again. We'll have you back. I'm sure people will love to hear more from you. Um, we're we're excited to hear about how the development of the new Moss game goes naturally, and I'm sure there's people that are going to be uh, very, very interested to hear any possible new developments down the road. I know you had sent out a message to your Animation Sherpa community it, kind of a while ago. It was a few months ago going, look, just FYI, this I had to put put this on the back burner for a little while like courses are still available but you won't be able to put more courseware out there in, in the in in the very near future because you are obviously very busy yeah. with the, the with the new game but um you know obviously it'd be great uh, to see and hear when that actually ends up happening again down the road so don't be a stranger I'll have you back if you uh if you would be willing to have, to be hooked back into the fold because uh it's always nice to share space and uh and vibes with you my friend
2: yeah, ditto, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. This has been a, a great experience.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Richard, have a good day and right. um, we'll, we'll see you around. Dude. Cheers.
2: Later, bud. Bye.
1: Okay. Well, there it is. Richard Lico in the flesh or in the digital flesh, the flesh as it were. Um, he um, honestly is one of the most generous and one of the most modest people I know. Um, I've, I've, I had the pleasure of meeting him in person years ago as he kind of mentioned um, during the stream um at an ianimate um event and it was in quebec city and i got to kind of know him a lot better and we've uh we've kept we've kept touch over the years and um he's just awesome like the guy is just he's he is a visionary and he's exactly the kind of person that we need in the industry that pushes the envelope he's the one he's a he's a disruptor he's the type of person who's like it can be done better it can be done um more efficiently and um and uh, that's what we need. We need people that are willing to, to 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 push the envelope a little bit. Otherwise, things get a little bit stale, um, which I feel um, is unfortunately the case with a lot of VR games. Um, they just sort of, they just, they're just phoning it in. They're not really, you know, doing anything interesting at all. So definitely check out his game. Absolutely, I. It's, I cannot, I cannot recommend it enough. It's extremely impressive, this game, especially considering the fact it was done with 15 people. This is going to blow your mind. Um, And definitely check out his animation Sherpa site because uh, if you really, if, I mean, you all you gotta do is you got, he's got videos out there on the internet. If you want to have, you want to see an actual demonstration of him talking about his his workflow, um, I would um, you know, go check out one of his videos maybe before jumping into the animation stripper if you feel like you need a little bit more convincing. But I I highly recommend you expose yourself to it because it's gonna change the way you think. You may not adopt it verbatim, but it's what's gonna happen is you're gonna see animation differently you're going to see it for what it really is in many ways. That's the thing I love about his workflow is it's like he boils it down into its simplistic forms as opposed to a series of things that you do, like a workflow. His workflow is not really as much of a workflow. It's more of a philosophy. And you come up with the workflow as you're animating in an interesting way. So anyways, check out both those things. They're both, they're linked in the chat, both of those things. And also check out, it sounds like this, he he dropped a hot, hot tip for us um, with, I got to go click on that link now before I lose it. Um, with regards to the, oh, I can't, Ugh. can someone, can someone like, uh, no, that's not going to work. Damn it. Can, actually, so can I get a rely on somebody to send me a direct message on discord with this link so I can go check on it? I can't do it right now because it, all it does when I click on the link is it highlights the text for you guys to see. So if someone could do me a favor and drop that for me, that'd be amazing. Okay. So enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Um, and, uh, we'll see you, uh, we'll see you next week with more Agora community content. Stay animated. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at Agora.Community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So. Until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.